0: This is Focal Point for Monday the 19th of October 2009. New media versus news media. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you? Well thanks Gihan, how are you? Oh I'm happy, I'm happy. It's been a few weeks since we spoke. Alright, so on to today's topic... So there used to be a saying that says, don't pick a fight with somebody who buys ink by the barrel. <laughs> In other words, if you look at traditional media organizations, they have power. They have real power, and you can't fight with them. But now the internet's changing that, and anybody can publish online, and they can do it free. And today we're going to talk about, is that a good thing or a bad thing? So there are old media news organizations like newspapers, TV, and radio, and they're at a bit of a crossroads. So their advertising revenues are down and they're going down much faster than the rise in the online advertising revenue that they get to try and offset that um, a few newspapers have already closed down more expected to close down soon Rupert Murdoch recently from News Corp and Tom Curley from the Associated Press have um, have complained about bloggers and online news aggregators like like Google labeling them as plagiarists uh, Barack Obama has followed suit um, not. Maybe not in as strong words, but again, he's been complaining about the quality of journalism in the blogosphere. Um, Rupert Murdoch saying that his online news sites will have paywalls, like the Wall Street Journal already does and has had for some years. And James Murdoch has said that commercial news organisations can't compete with publicly funded news organisations like the BBC, who give news away for free. So... As I said, is this going to be a good thing or a bad thing? And today in Focal Point, we're going to look at both sides of the story. And we're going to do it as our first um, world premiere Focal Point debate. So our topic is that the rise of new media at the expense of old media will do irreparable harm to society. So we're going to take a fairly extreme and strong statement. I'll take the affirmative side, arguing that new media is going to threaten old media and old media is at risk. And Chris will take the negative side. So we'll each present a couple of arguments, and we'll each present them. The other person gets the opportunity to rebut each one. So, Chris, any preliminary comments before we get started?
1: Is this a comedy debate, Gihan?
0: <laughs> well, your part will be.
1: <laughs> and are we going to get our audience to vote on uh, who is the winner of the debate?
0: We'll get listeners to send in, and it'll send in $50 to vote. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> a Entry focal point account, yes.
1: <laughs> All right. Did you want to lead off, Gihan?
0: I will. I will. Okay, so again, the, the argument that I'm taking is that old media is at threat and under risk, and we need to do something about it. The first point that I'll make is that the problem with the new media and the problem with having the blogosphere and citizens commenting is that it becomes a popularity con- contest. I call this Paris Hilton effect. So the point is that what's popular becomes more important than actually what's important. And just a little bit of evidence, I've got a little bit of anecdotal evidence. When I first started a couple of weeks ago putting down notes for our, for our debate today, I looked at, on that day, uh, the top stories versus the popular stories. The, the top stories were about a tsunami, about um, sanctions against Iran, about Gordon Brown's conference speech in the UK, about um, Papua New Guinea and some Protests happening there, and the popular stories. Okay, the tsunami was again a popular story, but then there were stories about teenager Jessica Watson who's going off sailing around the world, uh, celebrities about ma- uh, celebrities' Master Chef um, TV episodes, and about the Sydney Swans. So you, you can see that there's a big difference between what's popular and what's important and my concern is that when new media takes over and becomes a majority of the way that we consume media we're really going to forget about what's important and that's going to go down to the bottom of the list and actually what's going to come to the top is simply what's popular even if it's not important
1: Rocky and well, uh, in rebuttal, I'd just like to say there's not one of those stories is about Paris Hilton, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but the point I'd like to make in rebuttal is that I wouldn't blame new media for that sort of thing. It's something that's gone on well before the rise of the Internet. So yellow and tabloid journalism have been around uh, long since before the Internet came to the fore. What could be argued, though, is that the Internet might well exacerbate this sort of thing because when you present new stories online, then you can you can look at the server logs and you can actually see uh, which of the stories are being viewed the most. And uh, that gives uh, the publishers some idea about what is popular, and so it could lead them to concentrating their focus on such things as trivia, celebrities, gossip, and Paris Hilton. But... Um, the real problem, I think, isn't uh, new media, it's that uh, commercial organisations are focused on maximising their ad- advertising revenue in order to make a profit, and that means uh, increasing their circulation or their audience ratings, and that's where things like popularity take precedence over news that is important.
0: Okay, I think that's a fair argument, Chris, and we're probably going to cover that a little bit later when when you talk about some of your points. But it- my point is I'm not saying that tabloid journalism doesn't exist already my concern is that it's going to become the only option, or certainly the majority option, and the people who want to have proper journal- access to proper journalism, they won't have it anymore and uh, there is real journalism going on and I, th- I feel that there's going to be the death of that if new media takes over
1: Okay, well that, that leads into the second point uh, that we're going to debate and that is, what is the harm if we lose old media, commercial media as we know it, and the point that I'd like to make is that much of commercial news media is infotainment so they're not focused on informing us with what's important they're focused on what's popular and what entertains us so if indeed something like the old media structures do collapse then i argue that little of value is going to be lost they're mainly focused on selling advertising such just said and as a consequence their journalists' work is typically sensationalized inaccurate or trivial or even worse
0: okay i there's some truth to that, but I think you're unfair. You're being unfair in characterising it as that little of value we've lost. I mean, there is real journalism that goes on. There's valuable journalism. There's investigative journalism, which actually uncovers things that um, that you know it's it's more than just being sensational or inaccurate or trivial. It's the, it is actually real journalism, and the the fourth estate, journalism, the media, does play an important part in society, not just in entertaining society but in actually informing them and keeping checks and balances on government as well. I think that it's much more than just saying what drives advertising revenue is the only stuff that's going to be published and broadcast.
1: And indeed, you're right. The fourth estate is vital to a healthy society. But my argument is that um, organisations that are profit-driven and uh, focused on advertising, that gets in the way of good journalism. So indeed, some good journalism is sustained by these organisations, no doubt about it. But uh, when the primary focus is not on informing the public, it's it's on selling advertising, then that just gets in the way and and quality journalism becomes a sideline business. And I'm saying that uh quality journalism doesn't need advertising to continue. It, it, it can thrive without being sustained by commercial ventures. Um, and in our next point, we'll talk about that as well. Um, and I'm saying that uh, new media may well give us an opportunity where quality journalism can thrive without having been hamstrung by having to sell advertising.
0: So that's an interesting point, Chris, because you're talking about quality and, and, and I agree that there are Perhaps there are some opportunities to still for for quality, high quality journalism still to survive, but one of the things that's happening now at the moment and we'll talk about the future, but at the moment, a lot of what's happening in new media is that bloggers and tweeters and podcasters and commentators in forums, in online forums, are commenting on the existing journalism. So they're commenting on what the Washington Post, Post reports or what the ABC or the, the Sydney Morning Herald reports or what the BBC reports or what the Financial Times the Wall Street Journal reports. So they're, they're actually they're piggybacking on the quality journalism the high-quality journalism that somebody else has already done and that's okay it's working it's sustainable because there is still that quality journalism being pumped out but what happens when we reach a tipping point when as we said at the start newspapers are dying fewer people are probably going into journalism, but when that decreases to the point where new media's got nothing to comment on except to comment on itself and to comment on other people's blog posts and now we we lose that we lose the quality that people at the moment are able to comment on and therefore we lose some of the quality in the comments as well. Right, yep,
1: I understand that, and some of the some of the sources of quality journalism that you mentioned are sustained not through advertising revenues but through public funds, so even if we assume the worst and and new, uh, sorry, and old media news organisations, commercial ones collapse entirely. Then we'll still have publicly funded news sources such as ABC, BBC, CBC, all the way through to ZBC, which do have reputations for producing good quality journalism. That's what their, their charters are generally. Um, so we'll still have, at the very least, the publicly funded uh, news sources for new media to to uh, build upon. A second point that I'd like to make is that um, there's always going to be a market for quality journalism, so that means that um, if it can't be fulfilled by the likes of the publicly funded sources, um, then then there'll be a gap of void that the market will attempt to fill. Now, that might mean that the middlemen between professional journalists and their audience, so the likes of the large news organisations that we have at the moment, they might shrink or they might even disappear entirely, and that's what Rupert Murdoch and Tom Curley are so worried about. But in in its in its stead new org new business models and processes will will uh, step into the void and and that and they're going to be taking advantage of new media and web 2.0 now it's difficult to predict exactly what those new services might look like but um one of the one of the speculations that I've made or thought about in, in the intervening time since our last podcast is that we might see a scenario where journalists are more freelance, so they publish directly um, online, and then for, so something like a blog, for example, and then aggregation services such as Google News or Yahoo News um, aggregate the various journalist content where they're tagged, rated, commented by us. So what we have instead of having middlemen, news organisations, is we have collabor- collaboratively edited news sources. So you and I, the audience, become the editors of these new news services. And we only need to look to services like Wikipedia that give us an example of what's possible when it comes to collaborative editing. So we have a high-quality um, encyclopaedia, Wikip- Wikipedia, that comes about through collaborative efforts, it's at least as good as a commercial product, and that's the sort of thing that might evolve um, after uh, the media shakeup that we have, resulting from new media.
0: Well, I think it's curious that you're using the term middleman, because the, the, that's usually used when there's an intermediary between you know, two agents, the, the two organisations, and, and as you say, there are professional journalists and the audiences, but usually the middleman is somebody who takes a cut of the payment. And in this case, they're not. They're the ones who are making the payment. So removing the middleman actually removes the journalist's source of income. And I think that's a big problem. I don't disagree with you that removing the middleman in general is a good idea and that there is a possibility for us to get access to journalists. But The problem is, how do the journalists earn money from that? And I think that's a problem. That's a problem. That at the moment we have services like Wikipedia, where volunteers are building Wikipedia, but those volunteers presumably have some other source of income. That means that they can then generously contribute their time to Wikipedia or open source software or you know us doing the the focal point podcast okay so for me it's a bit more business related but for you Chris you're doing it uh, completely out of the goodness of your heart but you've got a way to support yourself and your family uh, by some other means and that's that's my concern my fear that the quality of journalism will go down simply because we don't the journalists won't have any way of supporting themselves sure they can publish and they can reach the audiences but are we going to pay them for that sure
1: sure so uh... If I could elaborate on that further through my next point, the idea is that with the, the shake-up that we're having with news organisations at the moment, we need we need to have high quality journalism and we're not societies need that to remain healthy, but we're not getting that generally from old media because of their focus on um, uh, entertainment and infotainment for advertising purposes rather than informing us. What I'm suggesting is that the, the upheaval that the old media is experiencing gives us the opportunity to develop news, new business models that are going to value quality journalism. Uh, hopefully, that'll happen. Uh, my previous speculation might not uh, come to come to rise. We do have, for example, Wiki News, which is a similar um, offshoot from Wikipedia, where news stories are put together through collaborative editing, but it's very thin. They don't get uh, the sort of coverage that you might get from commercial media or from publicly funded news organisations. But what I'm seeing at the moment is that old media organisations are seeing new media as a threat to professional journalism whereas I'm suggesting that it is in fact an opportunity. So we might be able to see new business models arising that use new media and allow allow professional journalism to thrive rather than being stifled by having to produce news that is entertaining or promotes advertising.
0: Can you give me an example of one of those new business models? Because you mentioned it a couple of times and certainly you've mentioned examples of new access models, but what's the new business model where a professional journalist can still ply her trade and get paid for it and still, still thrive in producing high quality journalism?
1: Yeah, so the sort of idea would be that the content that uh, a freelance journalist provides is uh, provided free but the journalist she develops a reputation as a quality uh, reporter through the, the news stories that she files and appear on aggregation services, so she becomes highly rated on Google News because she's filed really good stories. And as a consequence, she develops a reputation, and that reputation is something she can leverage as as an expert in a particular field. Say so she reports on a particular, um, say so she's a political reporter, so she reports uh, out of Canberra and she's looked to uh, by an audience who respect her opinion and her reportage on what's going on in Australian politics. And then the content that she provides for free through filing stories is stuff she can spin out as other, uh, other sources of information that she can actually charge for. So she can write books, she can um, put out lecture series and that sort of thing.
0: Okay, that's a very unfair argument because I can't argue against that because that's exactly what I'm telling my clients to do. Um, And look, I totally agree with that. I I agree with the idea that becoming an expert and producing really high quality content free to build your reputation is one of the best ways and it's fast becoming the only way to become, to be seen as a credible authority nowadays. But I do think that if that's that's the only model that journalists can rely on, it's asking them to make a very big investment up front in the hope that their online reputation is going to lead to work further down the track. So... Still a little bit concerned about and skeptical as to whether that's going to be enough to sustain high quality journalism, I want to come back to another point you made earlier, Chris that you know you said that the, these news or, these news organizations need a shake up in general. I would agree with you that you know would say okay well, market forces should take over and say if there is a if there is a threat to these organizations which so far have been sitting comfy and uh resting on the laurels well. Yeah, good, good on these new forces for coming along and shaking them up. But I wonder whether the media, the fourth estate, is too important to leave to market forces alone. I, I really do. I really think that maybe it's one of the cornerstones of our democracy. Um, and you know, that that sounds very grandiose, but I really think it is. It's one of those things that keeps governments and um, the judiciary Judiciary in balance and gives us uh, gives us a little bit of control and a feeling that they can't just run roughshod over us. And I wonder whether you know, like like we say that the economy relies on the banks and therefore we should be bailing out and protecting the banks. Whether we should be saying well, we should be bailing out, protecting um, news organisations uh, at least until there is a sustainable and a viable alternative to them.
1: Yeah, well, my response to that would be who should we? protecting so your concern is with uh, quality journalism but the suggestion of a bailout or protectionism for the likes of Rupert Murdoch or Tom Curley isn't necessarily going to deliver that so what we want to focus on is making sure that in this shake-up that uh, journalism is what survives and and goes on to thrive um, in whatever new business models come along or whatever new media delivers Um, so we, have, we already recognise to an extent the, the value and importance of the fourth estate to society in so much as many modern governments have publicly funded news organisations. The United States doesn't really have that. They have NPR, which I think is National Public Radio, which is subscriber-based rather than government-funded. And there is, of course, a danger in having the government uh, funding uh, state media in so much as then the, that media organisation is in a way beholden to the government although in the, in the UK, the BBC, I think, is funded by um, licensing, so they have a an independent revenue stream. They don't have to go cap-in-hand to the government. So t- to an extent, we already have protection of the fourth estate through things like publicly funded uh, journalism and, and news organisations. So I don't think it's so much that we need to protect the likes of Rupert Murdoch and Tom Curley, the the, the commercial news organisations, and and they need to they need to go and play in the market, and the economic forces uh, proceed as as always. Because we do at least have the ability to fall back on the publicly funded news organisations, and I think that it's it's probably inevitable that new media will uh, prevail and will swamp old media, and the likes of Tom Curley and, and Rupert Murdoch have to adapt to that.
0: Okay. Well, okay, well, we'll see what happens with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, My final point, and it's one that we've touched on briefly before, is it's not just about the quality of the, the media that we consume, but it's also the quality that's produced. And I think when journalism become citizen journalism in other words when the professional journalists stop doing their stop doing what they do then quality suffers and it's not because of a lack of desire um, bloggers want to produce high quality material but they don't have the skills to they don't have the they haven't been through the qualification they haven't been through the educational process to the quality journalism so they're not necessarily good at being at being discerning and presenting the correct size of the argument uh, they don't have the resources they don't have the time and the money to do it um, they don't Conform to professional standards. They don't. Uh, they're not held accountable by professional bodies, and I think all of those things contribute to some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that makes high-quality journalism what it is, and I, a and I fear that we're going to lose some of that, um, not because of a desire for bloggers to be manipulative or to be um, in any way low quality, it's just that that's what they will be.
1: Right, so saying that they just don't have that uh, professional experience that a journalist who's uh, been to journalism school and uh, is a professional journalist has.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, and I think that in that sense quality will suffer as well.
1: Right, right. So... The, the counter argument that I'd make is that quality is already suffering with old media. As I said it before, in so much as the focus isn't so much on informing; it is on it's on entertaining and producing infotainment. And perhaps if uh, we we have new media, sorry, old media news organisations uh, sort of shrink or collapse, then uh, the market for quality journalism will see uh, just those elements that produce quality journalism surviving. And so what we need to do is is, is hopefully come up with systems that uh, promote professional journalism and don't just have it as a vehicle for advertising.
0: Yes, yeah, so I think just if I can just reflect on what you've said, Chris, all the way through this conversation, this debate, pretty much what you're saying is journalism can survive and thrive, quality news can survive and thrive, but maybe the middleman, as you put it, the media organisations are the ones that are really at risk and a threat, and what we should be doing is everything that we can to protect journalism, to protect quality, but leave the media organisations to fend for themselves to figure out how to how to survive in this world, in the same way as travel agents, for example, have had to figure out how to cope and how to add new services to work in an online travel world.
1: Sure, yes. Sirs. People will always have the desire to travel, and travel agencies have had to adapt to the ability for people to book trips and um, and book hotels and so forth directly with the providers of those services. So, yes, the intermediaries... uh the likes of Rupert Murdoch are really worried because, again, they're seeing their business models under threat from new media and they're starting to talk about protecting their business models through mechanisms that I think are going to stifle, uh, close them off from their audience even further and perhaps exacerbate the problems that they face. But, yes, you've stressed the importance of the fourth estate and quality journalism, and we need to make sure that those sorts of things are protected.
0: Okay. Well, I think we've come to the end of our debate, Chris, and obviously, clearly I was a winner. (laughs) You did.
1: You summed it up nicely for me.
0: (laughs) That's right, but unfortunately I made your point rather than mine. (laughs) Um, It really is an interesting area, and I think it's one area that's going to be a little bit different from, like let's go back to the travel agent example I just gave. Again, the customer pays the airline but the travel agent used to take a cut. Um, Now, removing that middleman, makes, it it improves the experience and the transaction for the customer. I'm not convinced that that's going to be the same with, with media because customers, consumers don't pay the journalists. And so removing the middleman is going to do much more than just simply reduce the price and give us greater access. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out.
1: Yeah, it will, Gihan. As you say, there is a difference between uh, the travel agency model and the the news organisation model. And when we were talking about this prior to recording the podcast, I also made the comparison to the audio and uh, video industries. So they've again they've been the middlemen they're the ones who are taking a cut of artists revenues when they're putting up um, recordings and movies and they've worked really hard to try and protect their turf by introducing legislation like the dmca and then technological measures like drm which have really um alienated them from their, their audiences and only they've really only shot themselves in the foot so yeah it's 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 subtly different and and it's also importantly different in so much as we're talking about the fourth estate. We're talking about the what connects us to what's going on in the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, it is. So, I think all we can say is that um, we're not we're not trying to provide any solutions here. More, we're trying to highlight the problem and the fact that perhaps there is a problem. Perhaps there is a challenge for us to for us to address. And it's something new. It's something that we as humans have never really experienced this before. That citizens can become journalists and that seems like a good thing on the surface but it can be a threat as well so i think the best that we can say is watch this space and we'll we'll report back on uh, on developments
1: yep we'll report back uh, on some other topic probably in two weeks time or so
0: we will speak you again, then talk to you then bye for now you've been listening to the focal point podcast you can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A acom Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.